Michael, we have seen our first preseason action of the NFL season. Give me your takeaway. Give me a one takeaway from week one. Um, hi, Jeff. And hi, hi everybody watching. Uh, for me, it probably was Drew Locke playing like a Hall of Famer against uh, the Vikings at the weekend. I mean, at one point, I thought they were going to give him the gold jacket, but it was, look, it's obviously a preseason game, but it was a marker of his performance in that game. But also seeing Pat Sertain, the second, like, like they, they played very well at the weekend. Uh, in terms of other games, I've seen the Bengals beating the Bucks, which was an interesting performance. Uh, and the Chiefs just about getting over the 49ers. Did you catch much, Jeff? And I, I know you're in a bye week now, but you, you had a game at the weekend. Yeah, we had a game of the weekend, but uh, I do try and get uh, I tune into NFL Network and I watch all the highlights. And then we get NFL film every week. So I, I get my uh, NFL fix. I thought there were some interesting things, I, some really uh, encouraging young quarterback play. I thought Justin Fields showed some of the things that he can do and what he'll bring to the Bears. Uh, Trey Lance in, in uh, San Francisco is ultra talented. Uh, you know, I thought Wilson did some good things again. Mac Jones for the Patriots. This could be, I think, a really good quarterback draft class. Trevor Lawrence is the one I'm, I'm really anxious to see. I think there's a lot of pressure on him, obviously, as the number one pick and, and the guy that's supposed to uh, rid Jacksonville of all their evils is, you know, I mean, he's got a lot of pressure on him. Uh, and again, I, how about this one? I, the comment that we got um, – out of Urban Meyer about how different the NFL is, the NFL game is, and I'm talking about the game itself, the game um, where there's so few possessions where, the, you know, because in college football, the kicking game is so different than it is in the NFL. The kickers, the punters are so much better in the NFL. Um, how you, you have to maximize every possession as opposed to, you know, when you're at a place like Ohio State or Florida or any of the places he's been, you're kind of the big boy on the block, and now you got to. I think he's going to have a little bit of a learning curve in Jacksonville. Yes, sir. And just going off a number of things you said there, obviously, it was good to see preseason back. I know you're obviously doing this work with Sky Sports. Sky Sports are showing a number of preseason games as well uh, on their channel, which launches on the, I think, the 23rd, Jeff. So it's exciting times. And I'm sure you'll be a, a, a big part of that there. Urban Meyer is really interesting. Like, how long? Will he be given in Jacksonville? Because I mean, I, I you would like to think if it was a project that they would give him obviously as long as he needs. He's on that bumper contract. Brings in Tim Tebow. I like I I love Tim Tebow, but I just don't. It was interesting to see he obviously got cut yesterday, Jeff. I mean, were, were you shocked that he got cut? I mean, he didn't really do much. No, I, no I didn't. I wasn't shocked. Uh, I think that when you when you consider all the things he had, you know, like going against him. Obviously, been away from football for a while, talking about a totally different position. Uh, obviously, Tim's a great athlete, and he was in fantastic shape. He did about as much as he could do. But I think when you watched him in his inline blocking, in the little clips I saw, you really saw where it was such a tough, tough transition for him. He, you know, he he competed. He tried. You know, he did everything he could do. It just, you know time to move on and I, I think that happens to everybody and especially when you're trying to make that kind of a position change I don't blame uh Jacksonville for bringing him in I think that was you know probably a smart idea because you know if, if anybody's able to make that kind of transition that would be Tim so you know but it's time now to move on for the Jags and for Tim and and 
you know, for every team around the National Football League, cuts are looming very soon. This next preseason game, Michael, is the one where you really start to, you know, look hard at your football team because the first one you don't game plan for. Um, and now it's it's really the evaluation process is going to come to a head here in the next week. And we've only got three games as well in the preseason. You know, we're I know take last year out of it, we're we're used to four. And I guess for me, like a like a junkie, I, I want to watch every game I can, but they've got a big gap in between that third game and that say pre I guess the season starting. So yeah, you're spot on. This is the game now where you'd like to see Lucens tied up. You know, people are basically playing for their careers in the second game, and people are asking sometimes, why do you watch the preseason? You watch the preseason because first of all, it's football. But you're seeing guys that even though it's a preseason game are playing. Some of them are playing for their careers. Like it's 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 crazy. I I've seen a couple of your guys, Alex Singleton, done very well in Giants practice or sorry in Eagles practice yesterday against the Patriots. Like he almost picked off Mac Jones. I might have that wrong, but uh, we've got other guys on this show, Jeff. We're gonna you're gonna finally look at your apparently beloved Detroit Lions. I didn't know this. Uh, you, you're yeah, you know. I yeah, I've been a Lions fan since I was a little kid. It was my first NFL team. And I'll tell you why when we when we get to talk to the guys from Roar of the Lions. And I always have had a, a soft spot in my heart for them. And it seems like it's been so difficult in Detroit. And so many guys have come in there and with, you know, the idea that they're going to save the franchise. I mean, you've had really some very, very good coaches go through there. You know, Bobby Ross went through there and couldn't get it done. Uh, Steve Mariucci, who, you know, was a great coach in San Francisco, went in there and couldn't get it done. Matt Patricia couldn't get it done. And, and uh, you know, it's just been a really tough, tough job. But Matt Campbell's in and and uh, they're biting kneecaps in, in the Motor City. So we got the guys from the uh, Roar of the Lions podcast, which is one of the newest uk fan clubs and it's only a couple years old but one of the fastest growing and one of the ones that's you know i think doing some really really good things so we're going to talk to those guys today and talk detroit lions football episode 63 of coffee with the coach and it is a special one for me because it is kind of like my first girlfriend, going back and seeing my first girlfriend. I was a Lions fan at nine years old, and we have two of the biggest Lions fans in the UK and members of uh, the Roar Lions UK fan club. Uh, Anthony Fitzpatrick and Ryan McCluskey are joining me today to talk Lions football, to talk what's going on with the club, and just all, I'll just kind of kick it around a little bit, chop it up a little bit, talk a little NFL. And our, you know, again, our one of our favorite teams, the Detroit Lions. How you doing, fellas? Uh, doing really well, thanks. Thanks for having us on today. Love, love watching the show. It's good to be a part of it. It's, it's awesome to have Lions represented here. Honolulu Blue, that's another one of the reasons why they're one of my favorite teams because they were the they got really the best colors in the National Football League, Honolulu blue and silver. And um, I, before we get started, I got to tell you this story, guys, because people ask me, you know, what my favorite, who, who my favorite team was and or is, and I always say I began my fandom as a Lions fan, and they look at me kind of cross-eyed, like what? And I said I was nine years old. And just 
fell in love with football. And so um, I asked my dad, how could I get like NFL autographs or pictures? And he said, well, just write the clubs and ask them. So in nine-year-old long handwriting, I sent, and there were 16 teams, I think at that time, I sent every NFL team a letter and asked if they would send me back, you know, pictures or whatever. And the Lions were the first team to respond, one of only two to respond. And they sent me back, I mean, it was like about a manila envelope about that thick. And there were pictures and stickers and I think even a hat, if I remember correctly. And man, I fell in love with that team. And they were for, for the first probably 12, 15 years of my fandom, they were my team. How did you guys become Lions fans? Yeah, I'll go first. I started the Lions about 10 years ago. I just remember going on Channel 4, watching Mike Carlson and uh, Nat Coombs. Back then, we only got like one game on TV. So it was potluck, really. You turn on Sunday morning, you've stayed up all night, and you've seen in the TV schedule you're going to get. Like say, we were just into the, uh, the Matthew Stafford area. So things had just started to pick up a little. Calvin Johnson, like I say, was in his prime. Defence was nasty, which was the thing I loved. We had Cliff Averill, Stephen Tullock. We had a mean defensive line. Like, like these were just fantastic players that had a proper chip on the shoulder. And the colour scheme, like you say, that was something that drew me in straight away. The blue, the silver. I just loved everything about them, the logo. And everyone roots for an underdog. So I've always said, like, where I'm from and Detroit aren't too different. Like, <laughs> it's industrial. It's got a lot of different people. It's been on hard times. It relies on, like, textiles and, like, engineering. And I, they just had so many parallels to that and the local football team, which were just scrapping away, trying to get what they can. So I just thought, this is someone I'm going to follow. And it slowly turned into this beautiful relationship I've got. <laughs> How about you, Anthony? Um, it's a bit different for me. I sort of adopted Detroit when I was a bit younger because I listened to Motown a hell of a lot when I was growing up. A lot of the music, I absolutely loved it. And I thought any city that can create such wonderful music is sort of deserving of, of, of my fandom sort of there. So I adopted Detroit. And then I didn't really watch the NFL at the time. But a few years later, when I did start to watch the NFL, I sort of took the Lions on as my team because of that little bond I'd made with Detroit when I was younger. And I got into reading the history of the franchise, everything that was going on. And it sort of mirrored my own sort of experience over here because soccer team, I'm a Chesterfield fan. It's a small club few thousand fans you know a lot more hard times than bad times but what you get is this wonderful community of people who are in it for the love of the team not hunting for the glory as it were and you just make so many good friends and that's what we've done so far the Lions fan base have been so accommodating of us especially UK fans over here and I just thought it was sort of fate that I landed on this team so I've stuck with them ever since and will continue to do so. All right, now tell me about the origins of the Roar of the Lions UK fan club. I mean, how, how did that come about? How, you know, what, what's going on with the club? How do you get involved if you're a Lions fan? Because I'm sure we've got listeners all over the world and there's going to be Lions fans that, that certainly would love to tap into other Lions fans. So it started, the very first origins were about last April. Our host of our podcast, Matthew Turner, he started off a group on Facebook, um, Royal Lines UK, 
and he was he wanted somewhere to be able to talk about the Lions with fellow Lions fans, and it merged up with a group called Detroit Lions One Pride Worldwide. It's a Facebook group where, you know, the few UK fans that do exist sort of got together, and it was on that. It was just one day uh, someone put a post in Aaron, who was the original creator of the podcast. He said, "Hey guys, does anyone want to get together do a podcast on the Lions?" So we sort of got together in a Zoom meeting, had a little chat liked what we heard from one another and it really just went from there um we started doing our first few podcasts there was literally five of us just sat around in a zoom meeting room like this having a little chat about lions posting it up as a podcast and you know we used to get a couple of listens maybe every week um during the season first up there's not too many lions fans over here and not many people had heard of us but you know, we, we, we started getting good at what we were doing. We just did reviews and previews of the season. And then it sort of got to the end of the season. We picked up a few followers. We, a couple of the guys know people from over in America. They started listening to us, started, you know, giving us a bit of advertisement over there. And it just it just really grew. Going towards the draft, it really grew. We did a lot of work on the draft, the Lions fans, you know, keeping them updated, you know, what was going to happen, you know, who we might be able to draft. And then over draft weekend, we did a 27-hour live stream where we had the entire... Wow. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. But instead of just having two of us sat there chatting about the Lions all that time, what we did is we garnered this big network of UK podcasts over other teams so i think we got representation from 23 teams in the end and um so other people's fans will come in and listen to us it was you know a, bit, a real different experience on that front and you know we've got some other guys we've got roger goodgroves the nfl officiating guy over here who gave me a very stern talking to when i critiqued <laughs> of refereeing over there because of some of the decisions we've had in the past against us bless him <laughs> That is something I will never forget. But that's where it really took off for us. And since then, we were joined by Ryan, uh, Steve. There's seven of us all together now. And, you know, Ryan's very big at getting interviews for the podcast. Um, we've had players on. We had Jason Cabinda. Yeah, sorry. Jason Cabinda, who's a former... Oh, well, he's a current Lions fullback. We had Jason Fox, who's a former offensive lineman. We got one of our undrafted free agents from after the draft, D'Angelo Amos. And then... We started getting the media guys over there as well. So we've had guys from The Athletic, PFF, Detroit Free Press, Lions Wire. And, you know, we've just been really trying hard with our content over the summer. And people are listening to us and we're starting to gain some momentum really now. I mean, we've had about 5,000 audio listens on the podcast, more than 5,000 on YouTube. So it's just it's just something out of passion, really. We all love the Lions. We're all trying extremely hard to grow the brand over here. We've found a lot of Lions fans in this country. So it, it's just been great from that, to be fair. And I mean, we're always looking for people to join in. We're on Twitter under the name Roar the Lions UK. The same with Twitch, YouTube, Instagram. We are getting into all forms of social media now and trying to grow out the brand, really. So yeah, that's where it was. Started as just like a little you know, hobby. It was nice to have people to chat to in lockdown and that, and it's grown into this, you know, podcast, which is starting to gain recognition. So it's, it's been really great. And as I say, everyone's been so welcoming of us, especially over in America. Now they're starting to listen to us. It's incredibly hard, you know, to get them to listen to a British podcast when they've got so many over there themselves. 
Well, I tell you what, I think it's fantastic. What a great story. Now it's the Magnificent Seven. And Ryan, you of the seven, of the of the big seven, the magnific- magnificent, magnificent seven, I'll call you. You're the guy that is the talent wrangler. You're the guy that goes out and you get the you get the uh guess. What is it like when you reach out to a Lions player or an ex-Lions player or maybe somebody from the free press or whatever, and you hit them with that with that UK accent, what do they go, huh? What, huh? What, what, what kind of reaction do you get from those guys? Yeah, it's, it's very mixed. Like I say, I'm one of them kind of guys, like, I don't care, like, about getting knocked back. I'll copy and paste, like, the same message. I send it to, like, you know, every player on the roster, every undrafted free agent. I just say, like, hey, like, if you have any free time over camp, we'd love to speak to you. Like, well done by getting picked up from the Lions. We're from the UK. Like, there's a lot of people here that love to hear from you, and it could be something very different. And the people that have actually come on have said it's refreshing to hear from, like, UK fans. Like, they didn't know many of us existed over here. It's They love having someone that wants to have their time and talk to them. It just started off one day, like, I bought a pair of signed cleats off of uh, eBay, they were Jason boxes, and then, then I messaged him online when he liked the Facebook, uh, the Instagram post. So like, I've seen like you're doing uh, big things in the tech industry. Like, if you ever wanted to talk about town the Lions, and he jumped at it. He was like, oh, "Of course, I would have looked like." He loves to reminisce about the old days. He tells us some stories. Like, it's fantastic. Like, we're slowly getting there. The players are starting to talk to each other. It's becoming easier. Speaking of agents, and I just fire off messages weekly see if anyone wants to come on and the success rate is just growing like i said i'm the newest member of the podcast i've only been out there about six months ago i joined in i saw her on social media they're looking for someone to write an article and i thought i could do that i could write a blog post so i joined the group i've never really liked talking on camera but like i came on top of a show and i kind of just got the book for it like it's kind of like an obsession now like i just i don't always watch them back but i think it's just great to talk to people we see the listeners and the views are going up and it just, it started up as a hobby now, but now the work that goes into it, that we're doing, well, podcasts, I, did research for the draft, watching tape, making notes, like a fair lot of hours went into that and it just feels really rewarding. I love it because it's easy to be a Tampa Bay fan right now. It was easy for years to be a Patriot fan or to be a Steeler fan or, you know, the teams that have, habitual success but if you are a lions fan and you are a confirmed lions fan like you guys are not closet lions fan i'm talking about confirmed lions fan i i love it because it's not easy and i know from years and years and years of following the lions and hoping that this was going to be the season and you know that Barry might just be the guy to take us over the hump. And he was so close. And then so many times in Lions history, you, you, you mentioned Megatron and, and the, you know, what Matthew Stafford brought when he came to the Lions. And it was just, but for whatever reason, it's never happened. Although I know this for a fact, if you go to Detroit or you go throughout Michigan or the Midwest, there are some absolutely passionate, passionate, Lions fans and every Sunday when I was a kid you'd listen to the Lions games on the radio and you hear that crowd and you know they were playing in the Silverdome at that time and just how incredible all that was is you guys look at this football team you know this incarnation of the Lions 
how much different is the Matt Campbell era going to be, you think, than what we've seen in the past few years? Um, I think it's different on a whole variety of levels, this one. I think at the fir- firstly, you've got to start at the top. Obviously, Sheila Ford Hemp is now running the franchise and you know there's been a lot of criticism aimed at the Fords in the past maybe they've been out of touch with the fans out of touch with the situation but ever since she's come in she's changing that perception of them she understands very well what the problems are at the franchise she's no longer putting up with you know the failures of the past she gave Matt Patricia a season to save his job and the second he'd blown his opportunity she canned him she got rid of him she let us know that that was not acceptable to the franchise anymore. This is a franchise that's going to go forward. And they had a long, exhaustive process to get through to the new staff. I mean, before, when we got Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia, I think they interviewed two guys apiece for the positions. That was it. This time, there was double figures for both. And I think they've been very astute in what they've done. They've gone out and got um, Brad Holmes. Um, That's an amazing, you know, hire for the franchise because one of the things we've struggled with so long for so long is drafting you know we've got two players left from our 2016-17 draft seasons that's it and you know this is where they should be at the pro deals now we need someone who can draft very well and as we've seen this season he's drafted incredibly well at every single position and that's really what we need going forward someone you know he's got a lot of success in his history with the Rams you know they've done it without first round picks without some of the premium capital They've really drafted good guys. And then when it comes to Dan Campbell, I mean, the guy's just completely infectious. He's another guy. He's played for the Lions before. He knows what it means to play for the Lions, to be from Detroit, what it requires. And he's not sugarcoated any of the problems here. He's said, look, it's it's going to be tough, but, you know, we're going to get there and we're going to get there. We're going to install the good old, you know, Detroit grit. It's blue collar history there, which is, you know, it's been evident immediately, you know, he's, he's made it, he's making it, you know, he's making fans proud to be part of the organization. Again, just the way he speaks, he's infectious, he's enthusiastic, he's hardworking, but he's also aware that, you know, he has his limitations for now, but he's put a great staff around him. We've got Aaron Glennon as defensive coordinator, who was wanted by so many teams, but he wanted to come to Dan Campbell and Detroit, Anthony Lynn, was going to take time away from the game. He's come to be offensive coordinator. You know, he's just brought in the right blend of experience and youth to make this work. And, you know, everything so far, even the skeptics are like, well, hang on, you know, there's something here, there's something different from the past, just the overall feeling around the places. They're learning and we've got a ways to go yet, but so far everything was really good. So I know we're all optimistic about what he's going to bring to the franchise. Well, it's interesting you made the comment about Patricia. And, um, you know, when Matt first went into Detroit, he said a lot of the same things. He wanted to make make his team tougher. He wanted to make them more physical. He wanted to do all those things. But he never really endeared himself, I don't think, to the locker room, number one, and to the media, number two. And and I think those are contributing factors to his lack of success in Detroit. Campbell, I think, I agree with you. I think he's done it a different way. I think he's uh, certainly resonates with the community in Detroit and, uh, you know, with his football team. This is a team that's interesting to me because, you know, Ryan, 
when I look at the Lions and, you know, and, and Campbell's approach, it all is going to start with the big guys. It's going to start up front. And if you look at their offensive line, that's a pretty good young offensive line that they're building in Detroit. No, I totally agree. Yeah. Like you say, he's made it pretty known factor that football and one is, is won and lost in the trenches. That's from the defensive line and the offensive line. We've gone out of our way to, like say, it started last year. We brought in Jonah Jackson, a mid-round guy that's going to help implement on that side. Like I say, because we've needed a left guard for a while. We've had Taylor Decker, who's now managed to elevate himself to one of those great left tackles. Frank Ragnow, who was, we shocked at the time. It was a bit of a surprise pick for some people. But Arkansas, they produced some great centers. Like he is nasty. But he's also a gentle giant when he needs to be. He's got that great touch and he's building a relationship. He's going to be someone that anchors that line. He's key and he's a, he's very commanded. Like he's the leader of that line. This year, we just managed to take Penny Soul. We managed to drop all the way to us. We didn't have to jump up. This kid who is, like say, started at Oregon at 17. He's got a huge football IQ. It just runs through his veins. He was super excited to be here and take that call. Like he is going to build such a great partnership. And he's been told like it's going to take some time. Like say he's swapping from left tackle to right tackle. They've given him a challenge straight away in camp to implement and make that side his own. But I think he's going to rise above that. He's going to lock that side down. And I think as a whole, we're building an offensive line for not two to three years, but hopefully that next five to seven years. These are anchor pieces that are going to stay here be the foundation of what is going to be hopefully a very productive run game which is something we've lacked for many years now going back maybe a, a decade or two we have struggled to consistently run the ball and that starts up front and we're hoping to change that this year so I think it's great what we're doing in the trenches we're trying to solidify a future going forward it's going to be tough strong football and we will not be run over and we will be able to run through I think, you know, and I know Sewell has not played a lot of football, right? I mean, you got to be, people have to recognize about this, that about this kid. But you're talking about a guy that when you talk about tools and having the physical dimensions and the athletic ability to be a dominant, particularly right tackle in the National Football League, I, I really loved him in the draft. I thought he was for him to fall to you was like a gift from the heavens, I think, because you just don't find guys who have his kind of dimensions, 6'6", 325, great feet, nasty demeanor, balance, can bend, he can do all the things. And now it's going to take him time because he, as I said, he hasn't played a lot of football yet. But, boy, that's a pretty good place to start. Give me the impressions of the Lions fan, Anthony, Lions fan base, about Jared Goff and what you think he's capable of doing in Detroit? It's split down the middle, I believe. I think there's a lot of the skeptics. I think there's a lot of the Lions fans who are more tended to the pessimistic side, of which there are quite a few, just are not ready to give him a chance whatsoever. They've already signed, sealed and delivered his fate. He's a bridge quarterback. They're looking at quarterbacks in the upcoming drafts. You know, I don't think there's any real kind of enthusiasm there for him. But the other half is willing to give him a chance. And I know most of us on the podcast are of that opinion because, I mean, I thought it was a very smart move what we did for Jared Goff for Matt Stafford because, you know, with the draft capital we got for Matt Stafford as well as Jared Goff, we've given ourselves a safety net in the next two drafts 
to move up and get a quarterback if we need to. But if Jared Goff comes here and is a success, then we've got all this added draft capital to go elsewhere because there are a lot of holes that need to be filled. But I think the expectations mixed for me, I'm hoping he can have a good year. He's in a much better situation. Well, I say in terms of him, he's in a much better situation here in Detroit. He's got a much better offensive line to work with. And the big thing about him is how does he work under pressure? So if they can keep him pressure free, the offensive line, if it gels quickly enough, I think we'll see a good season out of him. We've got some really good receiving options for him. I know people talk about the receiving core being terrible, but you've got to look. We've got two guys in the backfield in Swift and Williams who are very able receivers. You've got TJ Hawkinson, who's becoming one of the best tight ends in the league. He's got to aim at. And you've got some good talent on the receiving core as well. We've got Amon Ross St. Brown. I mean, you saw in his first game, he's been putting in so much effort and work in training. He's not a regular rookie. You know, he's been catching hundreds of extra balls after practice, spending the time there. And you can see he separates quickly. He gets into space, which is something Jared Goff will love to throw at because, you know, he obviously wants to get it out quick before he is pressured. So I think he can have a good season here. I'm not saying we're going to go anything absolutely crazy, but I think he can have a good year. And I think he does have a future in Detroit. Uh, well, I think it's I think it's really interesting what you what you talked about when you talk about DeAndre Swift and you talk about Hawkinson, you know, for a quarterback, not only the offensive line, but the ability to throw the ball underneath in the short area zones and isolate a back as explosive as Swift is against linebackers and safeties can be a real, real help to a quarterback. You know, again, you're not asking to stand in the pocket and push the ball down the field. And, you know, if he can get it out of his hands and get it to his playmakers, I think those are two players that when you look at, at least in my eyes, when you look at the Lions, those are two very, very underrated players in the National Football League. Exactly. And everything we've heard so far, like I said, we spoke to one of our undrafted free agents from the camp and he's been in camp watching what's going on. And he says he's been building up a big rapport with DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. And, you know, he's he's getting good with Hawkinson as well. He's, he's identifying his targets whom he wants to throw to this year. Like you say, those guys are going to be really important to him going forward. And I'm optimistic that we'll be able to make something out of this. People are just too busy focusing on our lack of receiving depth. But for me, it, you know, it's, it's not as bad as it's made out to be. Like I say, we've got some good rookies in there. You know, Tyra Williams, Bashar Perriman both have a point to prove. So, you know, if we give Goff time to work, I think he's going to be perfectly good here in Detroit going forward. So, but like I say, on the, on the bigger scale, the fan base is completely split down the middle. You're either one side or the other, I think. All right, let's talk defense. Now, the Lions struggled to rush the passer last year. There was no, no, you know, there was no hide in that. They were, they didn't blitz very much. And, you know, line, the linebacker core, to me, when you watched them play, look kind of indecisive and you know I'm a Tavai guy because he's a Hawaii kid but they looked indecisive and and uh, and not really quick afoot but they've done some things on the de- on the defensive side too I think to bolster that defense yeah no they have yeah they, they, they went out there and they made some moves like say they brought in a guy that's very familiar to uh the new defensive coach in Alex Anzalone like he's a He's a steady guy. He knows the system well. He's experienced in the league. He can be solid at inside linebacker. They brought him in primarily, like say, to help in coverage. 
because that is a thing that's really struggled those crossing routes, the outs, the flats, like that's where we needed some help over the years, picking up likes of tight ends. And that's going to be someone that can uh, help get there. I think he's going to be reliable and you can see him on most early downs, like say in passing situations. They went out and they took a bit of a flyer on moving up to Derek Barnes. But what we've seen from him is he's a bit of a, uh, it's like a muscle shark. He's small in stature, but what he brings in excitement and energy and explosion is going to be fantastic. When he hits the hole, he's shown that he's capable of generating pressure and getting to the quarterback. He's got great closing speed, so I think he's someone that's going to be able to flush a guy out, and he's going to be able to create those potential mismatches, picking up a running back that can't block him. So I think that's going to be someone that could really help us, like say, especially on downs where we have to generate some pressure. We've moved the defence this year, so like say, Flowers and Aquara have dropped back a bit to more outside linebackers and on the end because we're focusing this year on a revamped interior defensive line. We've brought in Aline McNeil. We've now got Levi on Wuzurike and we've got Michael Brockers, which I think is going to be a very solid foundation. That's a guy that two young men can learn off that are going to be a key at generating pressure from inside out, helping to uh, beat up and get off double team blocks generate pressure, block holes in the middle, fill up the gaps, and just take away those easy, cheap plays that we've given away in the past. Uh, in If you are to Melifongo, we've taken a guy that is someone that has played a plethora of roles. Like say, they had a very good secondary over at Syracuse. He's an experienced guy. He's very long. He's got the length. He wraps up well. He's a very good open field tackler. I think he can start on the inside, potentially one day workout. Even going at safety because of his size so like this secondary for Aubrey Pleasant like you've got guys that are all in their early to mid 20s like there's no slouches there like this is a full of potential that just needs the game breaking down slowing down them for a little bit more just give them a task and they can do it don't give them too much we've seen complicated schemes in the past Patricia asked too much of some of his defensive players I think right now we're just going to simple it down like and just play simple football, but keep everything in front of us. And I think it's something that there's a lot of blocks there that can be worked with. Like there's so much potential here. I think we've now got the brought in these new spaces, new techniques that hopefully are going to be able to achieve a lot of some of it and hopefully bring this defence up a few levels that it can compete and uh, keep anyone under a certain amount of points, not give away cheap yardage. So I'm hoping we're going to see a vast improvement pretty quickly. I think, I think, you know, I, I think Campbell's done a good job with the staff. Now, you, you talked about Aaron Glenn, and I agree with that. And, you know, but there's a guy that's working in Detroit on a consulting basis, I think, who knows the NFC North maybe as good as anybody. And it's 70-year-old Dom Capers, who's there to help Aaron Glenn, in, you know, uh, institute that 3-4 defense. And he knows that as well as anybody in football. So I think that's a nice mix of a veteran guy who's been through the wars that can serve as a real mentor to Aaron Glenn and help build that young Lions defense into, you know, I think you mentioned Brockers. I, I agree with you. I think people are kind of sleeping a little bit on that side of the ball on these Lions. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Guys, tell me now, if I'm a Lions fan, which I am, and how can I get involved in 
you know, in the club? How can I get involved in what you guys are doing? What's coming up on in the future as we get closer to the season? What are your plans for the season? All of that kind of stuff. So um, in terms of plans for the season, we're just coming off our summer schedule now. We're, um, we're reverting to our in-season schedule. So Mondays, we do reviews of the games. We'll go through the news, any injuries, etc. Um, on our podcast. And then on Thursdays, um, we do previews for the games come up in the week. So we'll look over the uh, opposition. We usually try to get an opposition fan on, support a podcast, anything, just to give us a little bit more inside depth on what goes on there. So those are our two sort of main shows regarding with the Lions. Um, on Wednesdays, me and Ryan here, we're actually starting up a brand new show of ours we're doing um, a college show for the podcast Great. so what we're doing I mean we're not just doing a podcast show is it we're doing it in regards to the Lions so before you know a few weeks ago we looked at next year's draft we looked at positions that we might need to draft next year I know we were looking at linebackers safeties possibly quarterbacks so what we're going to do we're doing this show and it's going to be based around you know, obviously keeping people up to date, keep, you know, getting people knowledge of what the college game is, keeping people up to date on players that we are looking at in regards to the Lions maybe next year. You know, if people want us to look at a certain position group or anything, we can do that. We want to try and get our fans a bit more involved. So when draft time comes around, people aren't going, oh my God, who's what, this, that, the other. They will have knowledge there of that already because me and Ryan watch a lot of the college game and we figure well we may as well try and pass this knowledge on and expand what we do so that's going to be our schedule going forward Mondays Wednesdays and Thursdays if, if people want to get involved I mean as I say you can just find us online um, you'll find us at rotl underscore uk on Instagram on Twitch um, on YouTube, you'll just find us under Roar of the Lions UK. On Twitter, you'll find us at the same again. Just, you know, drop us a message if you want to get in touch. If you want to come on the show, then, you know, we love having we love having Lions fans on. I mean, we've had guys on from Spain, Italy, Finland. You know, there's, there's Lions fans all over Europe. But if you're in the UK as well, you know, just, just give us a message. We always, you know, we will talk for days and days and days about the Lions. So the more people we you know, more people who want to come and chat with us, you know, the more the merrier. So yeah, that's, that's how you can find us. And we're always, I appreciate it. I appreciate you getting the word out. And again, uh, if you are a Lions fan out there and you are watching this podcast, and like I said, we've got listeners and viewers from Hawaii to Russia. And the, then if you're a Lions fan, you got to get a hold of these guys and get involved with what's going on with Roar of the Lions. Now, before I cut you free, all right, we play a little game here. We do this every week with the fans, and uh, it's a little word association. I'm gonna test you. I'm gonna test you a little bit too. Your Lions history, your Lions knowledge of the past, and I'm gonna give you a name, and then you gotta give me what your first reaction is. All right, when you hear that name. All right. No pressure. So I'm gonna go. I right, I'm gonna go. You guys can answer it any way you want to answer it. You can take turns, or you can just. You know, first one in is is the guy that gets the answer, but I'm going to go way back in Lions history to one of the most colorful and um, I don't know. He was a great, great player, but he was a bigger than life personality. A guy named Alex Karras. Hall of Fame just gone. He finally got inducted as part of the uh, centennial class. 
tremendous, tremendous player was um, later became a huge movie star. And if you ever watched this movie Blazing Saddles, he played Mongo, who walked into town and knocked the horse out. <laughs> so he was he was a true favorite in Detroit. And one of the back this was back in the days when it was they were battling against the Packers and the Bears every year and, and the Vikings, and as always in that tough NFC North. And he was a he was a man's man. That's what I'll say about Alex Karras. All right, here we go. Give you another one. Barry Sanders. Just absolute legends, like I say. He was he just changed the game for running backs, like I say, because of his short stature. Like I say, he's uh he's just the the trunk tree legs, like I say, but he just moved like a butterfly. Like he just he tackled thin air, he moved better than anyone side to side, he could juke anyone. Like he's one of the greatest of all time. Nicest man no. on the planet. Uh, you know, the the uh, interesting thing about Barry, when uh, when uh, opponent players would watch him on film, they would they would actually go, I just don't want to be on Barry's highlight reel, you know, because like you say, there'd be pictures of him. Guys would not, I mean, they wouldn't touch him, wouldn't touch him. And they'd be right, you know, right free to, in the open field to make a tackle and wouldn't even touch him. Uh, my other Barry Sanders story is Mouse Davis was a legendary coach and was the offensive coordinator uh, for uh, the Lions for a time. And Barry was in the backfield. And he told me the story about they're in training camp and he's putting in, putting in a play. He's putting in a the draw play out of the out of the run and shoot. And he's diagramming it. And they're all sitting the entire offense because that's the way they input plays. The entire offense sat there and. So he's diagramming this and this, and he tells the front side guard, you chip to the nose and go to the backside linebacker and da da da. And a rookie uh, in the back of the room put his hands up, put his hand up like this. And Mouse is a little gruff, and he goes, What do you want? And, they, and uh, they, the kid kind of sheepishly put his hand up. He goes, uh, Coach Davis, who's got the front side linebacker? Because he didn't on the diagram, he didn't, he didn't. He didn't block the front side linebacker. There was nobody blocking the front side linebacker. And he looked, he looked at the ring. He goes, Yeah, dumbass, that's Barry's guy. So they would actually design plays and they wouldn't have to block everybody because Barry was so dynamic. He, you know, he could, he could, you know, make a guy miss in the hole like, like nobody. Um, Megatron. One of a kind. That's easy. Legend. He, he's got that blend that no one ever have of hands, size, speed, radius, like no one ever, no one's ever come close. For you guys as Lions fans, I, I, this is, this is a, like my own personal feeling though. I wish there could be a way that they could heal that kind of animosity that I feel when he talks about his time with the Lions and because he was truly a mega star, not just a Megatron. No, I get that. It's, it's hard to hear like how he's delivered this Hall of Fame speech and he's only given acknowledgement to the fans, like to him, the organization, like he's just in the furthest reaches of his mind, and it it is sad how it's been played. Yeah, it just feels like one of those situations where just neither one wants to appear to cave in on it, but they both want to come to a reconciliation, but they're just waiting for the other one to step forward first and it's not happening. It's a real shame, but you know, it, it's a new era now. 
under Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes, we've just got to start looking forward now. The past is where it is, and hopefully, you know, we're going to see some success on the pitch in the future, as opposed to being just talking about legends who weren't able to experience that with us. How about this guy who was uh, one of the greats that ever played for the Lions and has now gone back and is a part of building that future that you talk about, Anthony, Chris Spielman. Um, chunk of metal. <laughs> he's, he's, he, you know, he. You, you talk about Detroit being, you know, a blue collar town full of steel, and that he is the complete and utter epitome of that. And I think it was a really smart move bringing him back into the fold. That's another one of the things Sheila Ford Hemp did. She surrounded herself with football guys, not business guys, but more specifically football guys who know Detroit know what this is all about and they know where they're coming from um i love chris spielman you know you just love seeing hard-hitting guys like that who are just gonna absolutely destroy somebody if they get their hands on him well fellas i gotta tell you it has been a real blast for me to sit and talk detroit line football for 40 minutes or whatever we've been able to do this i want to have you guys back on the pod the week of thanksgiving because Thanksgiving football in Detroit is like nothing else. It's the origin of the Thanksgiving Day games and a huge, huge tradition in Detroit. Love to have you on for that show. Uh, thank you very much for coming on our show. And if you are a Lions fan or if you are a fan of the NFC North, you got to tune in to their podcast. They do a great job. Uh, Roar of the Lions UK. Thank you so much, Anthony and Ryan, for being on the show today.